Hello and welcome to episode 62 of Feckin' Metal. I'm your host, Fergal Trainer. On this episode, I catch up again with Stephen Waddle from OTSC and formerly of the band Tantrum. I last spoke to Stephen in November of 2020 and we've had a lot to catch up on since then. The last time I spoke to him, he was just about to release the album Computer Warrior from OTSC and he was still actively a part of the band Tantrum. Obviously, since then, a lot has changed, and Stephen comes back with the candor and the openness that you'd expect from him based on our last interview. A lovely person to chat to, a pleasure to interview. This is Stephen Waddle from Oath SC. Stephen, welcome back to Feckin' Metal. Uh, it's been a long time, it's been a year and a half actually, I think, since I spoke to you. So, uh, doesn't seem like a year when you said that earlier on. I was like, Jesus, I thought it was like last year, I didn't realize it was 2020. I know, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So, I- at the time, you were just about to release Computer Warrior, yeah. and uh, now you're just about to release your new album, which we'll talk about, uh, I suppose, in due course. But um, I suppose it's been a long time for you in terms of your musical development and, and your songwriting and all that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, it doesn't really feel like it. That's, that's the weird thing. I think with the kind of the way things the world has been lately, this time just doesn't mean what it used to. It's just gone so quick, so... It feels like I just released that album. It's crazy to think it was that long ago. Um, yeah, it, just, it feels like I just I was just getting all that shit sorted out. Now I'm doing it all over again. <laughs> um, and it, it feels like that to me as well. That, like that feels still feels like a new album. Like yeah. if I put on Mean Streets or whatever, it's like Jesus. That that's a fucking that's a great new metal song. Like as it not new metal, but like yeah, uh, metal song. <laughs> N e w not n u. <laughs> yeah, but um. But now, like, okay, right. So, like, I, I, I don't want to skip ahead. Like, so, um, okay, you, uh, you, you started off with your, your EP. You had your initial album. Uh, then you released Computer Warrior. Now it's, it's twenty twenty two. You've left Tantrum. Let's talk about that for a second because yeah. that seemed to skip me by um, on online. I don't know how that happened, but I, I remember messaging. I was like, you've left Tantrum? You've like, yeah, I left there months ago. I was like, shit, did I miss that? Or how, yeah. what happened there? I, 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 it doesn't look like it was acrimonious by looks of it because no, you still no. you seem to be mates online. And all. Yeah, yeah. yeah so no, Tantrum, no, Tantrum was the band you were in when I was originally speaking to you and they were inactive just due to COVID yes. as far as I could see yeah. uh, and now you've you've decided to leave Tantrum and focus on Oath SE uh, specifically yes um, yeah that was kind of it had been kind of brewing for a while really the whole leaving it. like I think there was a point where we we lost well our last singer went um, I'll, I'll stay kind of we can sort of kind of throw in the towel at that point and that's probably when I should have, um, because I wasn't my heart just wasn't in, in it anymore. Um, think I think because I hadn't really expected O to take off the way it did, and then when it did, it was a bit like, oh right, okay, well this is actually kind of what I want to do, as opposed to what we were doing in Tantrum. So at that point, I probably should have jacked it in, but didn't because it sort of felt like a bit of an obligation to the guys. If I'd said at that point I was jacking it in, probably everyone would have jacked it in, and it would have been finished for them. So. I kind of just saw it through. We eventually got a new singer in, um, and you get a little bit of a boost of energy when somebody else comes into the band. It's like a little bit of a new thing. Um, so I thought, well, let's you know, keep it going. We'll see how it goes. If I'm any happier, and it didn't really, it didn't really work out. Um, but it just, I think the way those guys want to do things is a bit different to the way I want to do things, and it's just really boils down to that. There's no, 
drama or anything really. Um, other factors too, I mean, just like life stuff. I mean, they rent a, like a rehearsal space and the cost of that had gone up. So like they pay every month for it. Um, but some bands do that. Some bands will just pay for a rehearsal as and when they want to rehearse. So it was like, near to, it was like, I think it was up to about £300 a month between five of us, obviously. But and how many, sorry, how many rehearsals is that for, for £300 a month? Well, as much as you want. Right. So you could be in there, you could be in there pretty much every night if you wanted. So uh, if you can do that, it's really worthwhile. But for me, I've, I lived a lot, probably the furthest away from the rest of the guys. So, and worked later hours in my day job. So getting there, really, I could only get there probably once a week. I was working at that. So financially, it wasn't, vi- wasn't viable at all. Um, and then you've got, of course, fuel costs going up. So actually, just the cost of driving to like, make a 40-minute drive away or something like that, yeah. there and then back again. So cost of that, for, for to be paying that kind of money for it, you need to love doing it. Yeah. And I, they just it didn't balance out, out enough. The, the the cost implications and the, the love implications didn't really kind of gel together as they should have done. So, um, yeah, we we work very differently. I think Tantrum is like really much a live band, as well as I think the recorded output isn't as um, what's the word? I remember the word doesn't come out as much as as kind of always does. I, I I'm like not, not, not as prolific kind of prolific. Yeah, there it is, <laughs> prolific. Um, my aim with Oath is to drop an album, at least an album, every year. That's kind of my goal. Mm. Um, at, at, at a minimum. Um, whereas the last Tantrum album came out 2018. Yes. Yeah. Um, and there's still nothing, nothing come out yet. So they, it was a slow process to get stuff, and that's just because you're working with five other guys. Mm. So there's a lot. Oh, sorry, four other guys. So there's compromises that you have to make, and. Everyone's got their own input and stuff, and everyone works at different speeds. So, I think I probably got a bit frustrated with that. I'm probably not a in a band guy. I think maybe that's just what it boils down to. I think I need to be in charge, <laughs> I guess, and a bit of a control freak. And that's probably the issue there. So, but yeah, we had a good run. We had a lot of good times and stuff. Um, You've obviously got the autonomy that you like, complete autonomy, you know, and. Uh... You didn't have that in tantrum. Obviously, that's something that's important to you, like having complete control over what you're doing and and your your timeline and when you release albums and stuff like that. So, like, how long how long did you last in tantrum? And when when did you realize then that you know maybe it wasn't something for you? Uh, I joined tantrum in um, I think it was 2016. Right. Yeah, 2016. Um, we did an EP and the, the lineups just changed all the time. So, like a different lineup on every recording at this point. Mm. Um, but the first EP we did, and then we did the album. Um, and when, when the album came out, it was kind of when Oath started as well. They kind of came out at the same sort of time. So, probably since 2018, really, there was kind of niggles. Um, but then we, we still went on and did a lot of cool stuff together. So, it was still fun. Um, but I really, I think it was just with the lockdowns happening, it's when it kind of shone it and put, put it into kind of sharp perspective that I just preferred to work on my own, I guess. It probably should have happened longer longer ago than it actually did. Yeah. And we kind of nearly, kind of nearly split when we lost our last singer, Steve. 
uh, when he left, kind of thought it was a, a conversation. It was like, well, we're going to keep going. I think at that point, I probably should have said, nah, I'm out. Um, but I think I probably felt a sense of obligation to the other guys. I think I kind of felt like if I left at that point as well, then the whole thing would have been done. Um, and I kind of felt a bit of a guilt about that, I think. So I wanted to give another try and keep going. And we, we hadn't found a new singer at that point. So I thought, well, let's, let's keep going, see if we get another singer and then see where we go from there. So uh, we did get another singer and you get a kind of a bit of a boost when somebody new comes into the band, I think. Yeah. Yeah, sort of fresh energy kind of thing. So it was good for a little bit, and then it just that little boost wasn't enough to get me through the kind of the kind of doubts I had about it. I think really they just kind of crept back in again. Well, I think I was saying to you before a lot of it is like like the real life mechanics of being in a band is it costs a lot of fucking money. Yes. So and there's really in a band like Tantrum, there's no money coming back in. There's you're not making any money from that. Any money that's made goes into the band pot and, you know, pay, put put petrol in the van or uh, buy merch or whatever. So you're talking about money for a rehearsal room monthly, which is how those guys wanted to work it. They wanted to have like a monthly space where you could store your stuff and rehearse. And you, in theory, you could be there every night if you wanted to. But yeah. So sorry, you, you had said before my recording went fucking arseways, you said like <laughs> they were paying three hundred pounds monthly to rent a rehearsal space and ballpark, you, yeah. And, and you couldn't ballpark. get there very frequently, so it wasn't it wasn't economical for you. Nah, it just didn't work out for the amount of time that I could go, which was like once a once a week really. I mean I've got like your know, family commitments, I've got yeah, a yeah. day job, um just getting the time to get there. And it's like a you know, 35, 40 minute drive away. And then you've got that drive on the way back as well. And then you've got to be up at six in the morning the next day with the kids. So yeah, yeah. Um, there's only so many times a week you can commit to doing that. Um, and then obviously the price of petrol going up and everything as well. So all that yeah. kind of stuff just accumulate into how much I was spending on being in the band just didn't equate to how much fun I was having out of it, how much joy I was getting out of it, you know. But was there like some kind of artistic aspect of it as well that... Yeah, I I mean... Made you want to leave? Probably, like, a bit of frustration, I would say. I I like to move really quick. Like, when I'm I'm writing an album, it's been, as I'm writing it, I'm recording it at the same time, so it's it's always really fresh to me. Um, Like, when I record a song, I work on it from the first, you know, drum line or bass line or whatever I put down first, and then that becomes the song. That, That project becomes the song. I don't do demos and then re-record again. I just I just do it all in a one. It's really quick and it keeps the songs fresh. Um, whereas in a band like like Tantrum, we would just record, we would play the songs, you know, once mm-hmm. a week, um, t- to death really. Um, and then with the, with the purpose of being really tight for live gigs, because you have to do that. Yeah. And I think I, I found that a bit stifling. And there's just kind of two. There's probably two different schools of thought with musicians. I guess there's guys who just really love the live show and there's guys who prefer the creative aspect of it, like the studio aspect of it and the recording stuff. And I probably fall into the latter category, I think. As much as I do like playing gigs, um, there's a lot of kind of faffing that goes along with it as well. So was, um, in the way. I, I'm, I'm going to assume the answer to this question is no, but was, was Tantrum the first band you'd ever played live with? Uh, no, it was the first original band that really played live. I thought I'd done covers and stuff before, right. but 
they were the first real proper proper band I'd played live with. It was like just focused on recording their own stuff. Okay. And um so while Tantrum was happening, you were kind of veering away and you were doing your oath, your original EP, uh, Legion, which to me, having listened to both bands, or I mean, it's 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 a strange thing to call Oath a band when I know mostly it's it's yeah, just know, you, <laughs> it, and it, it's weird online as well where people are like, you know, you throw the word band around about you or or the likes of Haunt and things like that, and you're like, well, is it a band? Is it not? But like, there's no no word exists really to project. I think is the word you would use. I think so. Project, yeah, but like you're not going to be like Oath is my favorite project, you know. You're not going to be like saying that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that doesn't really work, does it? No, and like you kind of have to say band because it's it, you do. If, have to if, if it were a solo artist, you'd be like Stephen Waddle is my favorite artist. Yeah, you know, Neil Young, you know Bruce Springsteen, but like because because you don't call yourself after your own name, uh, and you use a name that is kind of like a band. Uh, it's 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 easier to just say they them, you know, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, sure. That, that's, that's that's my pronoun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez, let's not get into that. <laughs> no, no. I, um, so uh, you can cut that out. <laughs> no, I'm not cutting anything out here. I don't even have my own proper fucking microphone equipment or anything. This is all going into the episode. <laughs> I should I should note here, by the way, like I'm not recording on my proper microphone because it decided to give out on me tonight. Uh, uh, that's my own fault for not fucking taking better care of my things or or being prepared really after going away for a long holiday coming back and expecting everything to work perfectly um anyway my original point was i can't remember what my original point was uh yeah so uh projects and stuff what do you call a project yes but like but also you seemed more comfortable going off and doing your own thing than being as part of a band uh, yeah. Actually, no. There was there was some point I was going to make there. Anyway, it's lost to the annals of time. But uh, you separated from Tantrum. Uh, what? Sorry. Yeah. So what, sorry. What I was saying was, while you were in Tantrum, you were still you were you were going off and doing the oath thing. This was all kind of mm-hmm. simultaneous for a time. Uh, yeah. Was there kind of any resentment or animosity in the? tantrum camp that you were like oh i'm gonna go and release an ep on Bandcamp, and oh my ep is gonna be on the new wave of traditional heavy metal albums uh youtube channel was there any animosity about that from the theater guys you try to dig some shit up. yeah i am yeah <laughs> <laughs> fucking journalists um nah not at all man the guys were really supportive of it. i sent them i always like i sent them the last album as well and they'll have a listen to it and give me feedback on it and stuff so nah there was no animosity at all nothing like that not that they told me of anyway maybe they, <laughs> they didn't they, maybe there was but they never told me alright okay it was always it was always all good well my I, I always sort of looked at it being positive because if people are listening to Oath that didn't listen to Tantrum then it would maybe put them across into that camp as well so to me it was a win-win situation yeah no, that's fair enough yeah well of course i was trying to dig some shit up i mean it makes the yeah I know makes the podcast juicier and more interesting to the listener <laughs> but uh no that's fair enough right so so but you must have a, you must have had something burning in you some kind of scratch that hadn't been itched uh some kind of yeah but i got i got some ointment for it <laughs> you, you got, got some, some cream ointment. down the clinic yeah. uh <laughs> some legion ointment uh no sir yeah <laughs> Uh, down the pharmacy, uh, but but no, you must have you must have you must have had some creative 
you know, you must have had some aspect of you that wasn't creatively fulfilled in Tantrum to go off on your own and say, right, I want to do this. I'm going to go off and I'm going to do something different. And it was quite different. Um, yeah. And then it, it like, yeah, it was... I, I did you expect it to lead on to what it's led on to now, which is an, no, an EP and three full albums. I know you're haven't, you haven't released your, your third full album yet, but that's, that's the end goal there uh, as, as, as we talk at the moment. Yeah, no, no, I didn't expect, I expected to, I, I can't even remember how I found out about Bandcamp, um, but I did anyway. Um, and it was then sort of became apparent that this was something you could do. You could record an album and pop it on Bandcamp and people could listen to it. Because at that point I had no idea how you would get music on Spotify. That was like a, mm. That was like a dark art to me. I didn't know how that even worked, how you got music up and like, how does that even work? Um, So I had no clue. I had no clue. Um, And Bandcamp seemed pretty straightforward to do it. So I guess I did it because I could. Really, it boiled down to being as simple as that. It was just like, what if I made an album and used just my iPhone to to write, like create some songs and see, see what happens just for a laugh. And then when I put it up, I started getting emails and I started getting like the listener count started going up and people were asking if I wanted to, to get vinyls mm-hmm. made. Vinyls. Vinyl. Ah, I'd, I'd still say vinyls. Somebody oh, that pisses people off. <laughs> the collectors don't like vinyls. <laughs> Apparently it's like ordering shrimps. <laughs> you supposed to order shrimp, not shrimps. Prawns, anyway, they're called, um, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Exactly. Um, oh God, I've done it to myself now. What was I talking about? Oh yeah. Um, so there was there was no expectation for it to go any further yeah. than that EP because I didn't think anybody would listen to it honestly I had no clue it, it just must have hit I think it was probably just when the, the, the whole new wave of traditional heavy metal thing yeah. was coming I, I think I must have just hit right at that kind of spot and it it worked it and did what it was what those guys wanted I, to hear I think it did and we're kind of covering old ground a bit here because I have spoken to you before obviously like a year and a half ago on the podcast but it's just good to kind of revisit some of this stuff like before we go ahead but um, what it's interesting to me that you say uh, you thought Spotify was a dark art I don't believe we discussed this the last time I spoke to you how did you uh, manage to um Defeat that, or you know, like to 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 like get control of that dark art, or did somebody help just, you out, or did you have to just? No, it turns out it, was, it turns out it was really easy. I just had no concept of how it worked, um, so that was the only reason. That, like, if I had known how to put music on Spotify at that point, I probably would have done. Um, but now it's just a little bit, a little bit of time, a little bit of research, and you figure out what you're doing. All this, it's, it's like anything, like anything with oath is just hit and hope and hope for the best and try a bunch of stuff that doesn't work until you get to the stuff that does work really. It's just trial and error, man. The whole thing is trial and error. Um, so yeah, the Spotify is a bit of a fucking controversial area anyway, isn't it? So Yeah, and I think I we, think we spoke about this we, before as well. Um probably. I'm I'm guessing that like, do do people come to you through Spotify? Like, like, like I spoke to you like eight, I don't know. eighteen months ago. Like, from from speaking to fans, which I know you do because you do talk to your fans online. Yeah. Uh, sure you're do. very much engaged with your fans. How how do you find that people find you? Uh, I think some probably do come from Spotify. I think a lot of it comes from social media. Um. 
like Instagram, Facebook, um, Bandcamp is the, the feed on Bandcamp. I think a lot of people come from it through there. Um, the, the Bandcamp, I think, works really well for certain styles of music, and not so great for others. I think maybe that's you know the more sort of commercial hard rock and stuff isn't so big. No, absolutely not. But, no, no, no. Do you know what I mean? But if you're into like a really undergroundy kind of heavy metal or punk, even or any, or any kind of subgenre of of heavy metal metal that's a bit more extreme, you'll find a community on Bandcamp for it. So there is like a big that's where a lot of it came from, and then it grew from there. You know, those people would tell their friends and blah blah blah, and share stuff on social media, and then it kind of grew from there. But it all really came from Bandcamp. Right. And like as it stands at the moment now, like you have all of your stuff um, on Spotify, but you've you've clearly you've got a Bandcamp profile as well, um, and then you've got this this Facebook profile, which is kind of as far as I can see, is it's the place you're most active and the place you're most engaged with people. For somebody who has a job, is in a band, let's say your own band, and has a family, how difficult is it to stay engaged with your fan base on Facebook, which you definitely find time to do, but like there are only 24 hours in a day, so yeah. how, uh, how do you manage that? I don't know, man. I don't really think of it as a chore. It's like, I think if people are taking the time to like put a comment on a, one of my posts or something. It's only, it's only right to respond. It doesn't seem like it's not like I'm gonna. It's not like I like I'm gonna sit down for an hour now and do my social media work. You know, like I just do it on the fly. Like if I get a notification on my phone, you commented on my post, I'll reply pretty much straight away. Really, it doesn't take long to do. Not a big deal. Um, I know a lot of bands don't do it, um, but I, I, yes, yeah, I don't see it as a chore. No, I, I like talking to people. I wasn't really kind of. Uh, kind of um, framing it as a chore, but, but what I was what I was thinking of was like, yeah, just the time. Somebody who it doesn't take up, it doesn't take a lot of time at your day, really. Like I, I very, I don't really sit still a lot <laughs> in general. All right, James. like I, I'm on the move a lot of the time now. Like I just, I'm always doing something, so it's just a normal thing for me to not have time, and I don't sleep much either. So a lot of stuff happens late at night. I've heard you saying this before. So like, what are we talking about? nightly sleep hours you're talking like two in the morning often to bed um then up again at say six seven o'clock with the kids something like that and like has this ever caught up with you or is this just your norm now starting it's starting to hit me now (laughs) (laughs) as you get as you get up there in years it does kind of start to have a have a bit of an impact and i'm trying to get a bit better at going to sleep and stuff but i think i just have this kind of natural fear of missing out I think is what it is FOMO FOMO yeah yeah I think that's what it is it's like if I go to sleep I'm going to miss an opportunity to do something so well I, I think that's maybe a different interpretation of FOMO than most people would think most people would be like FOMO is like fear of missing out of going to an event or being at something yes I guess with yeah. you it's it's fear of not writing a new album <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I guess that's what it is it's, yeah I, I think it's I hate not being productive in some way. I just don't like sitting down doing nothing. I should get better at it because it does it does burn you out. Mm. But and I like I'm yeah. not going to ask you because maybe you don't want to reveal what your actual day to day job is. But do you is 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 the day to day work you do is that a do you have a creative input in that or is that a separate entity to what you do in your your private time? It's a re- it's a it's a job in retail. Okay, and so there's not a lot. Of, well. Retail sales, 
So I guess there is an element of creativity in it. I guess a job can be as creative as you want it to be sometimes. You know, that's how you approach it, I suppose. Mm. Um, if you approach it from the, the point of view that you're, it's a day job and you're going to hate it, then yeah, you are going to hate it. Mm. If you approach it with a positive attitude, then you can make it whatever you want it to be. So, Okay. Uh, yeah. I'm guessing you approach it with the latter. Mm. Try to. Not perfect. I don't have a bad days, but... I think if I'm going to go and do it, then I'm going to enjoy it. But then also, you obviously have some kind of well, it, it, like it's apparent you have a, you have a creative flame to burn. Like since Oath has started, you've released an EP, a couple of full-length albums. There's another one on the way. Uh, yeah. In Tantrum, you release one full-length album, maybe some more releases. This this seems to be something that's been in you. Uh, when you were younger, did this creative flame burn in you as well? Did you do anything? Where did you have any outlets? Not really. Well, well, artistically, like drawing, we'd always draw and create that way. Um, but in terms of songwriting, not really. That only that's a re- fairly recent thing, which is kind of weird when you think about it. Eh? But yeah, it came, it came late. And have you always played the guitar? Yeah, yeah, I always played guitar since I was like thirteen. I think I started uh, twelve, thirteen. I picked up a guitar. So and and, and uh, were you writing songs at the time, or were you just like playing? Not really. I, I, there was a. A little band I was in briefly, and we wrote a couple of songs, and that was it. Nothing big, nothing that was ever released. So now nah, the, the actual creative side of it was more recent. Um, I think that kind of going a bit more personal. Before it happened, probably before it happened, maybe like oh, what we're we talking five years before or something like that, four or five years. Um, I can like split with my wife at the time, right? And right. who who the kids were with, mm. and that kind of then created a a sort of what do you call it, like a bit of a spark of doing stuff again. I hadn't played guitar for years, yeah. And then when that happened, I was like, well, I suppose I could mm. go and get back into it again. So I started playing playing like cover bands and stuff, yeah. And that then kind of found its way into joining Tantrum. All right, and so it was kind of like a. And that was when really sort of started writing properly, I think. And on the first Tantrum EP, I can't remember what songs I wrote on that one. I think I wrote one or two. I can't really remember, but those were the first ones. And then it kind of snowballed from there and I wrote a bunch of terrible songs, like some really shitty ones. But yeah, you have to do that to get the good stuff, right? So you've got to figure out what you're bad uh, at. Absolutely, yeah. good at. And sorry, do you mind me asking how long you were together with your, your previous partner? Oh, so that was like, uh, maybe six or seven years. Right. Yeah. I think it was something like that. I actually split up with my wife. Um, so we were together for 10 and a half years. And uh, just before I started doing this podcast, like, well, ever so slightly before, we split up and we'd been together for, I don't know, uh, nine years and, and married for one and a half. And then we split up and once we split up, I was like, all of these things, all of these creative things that I wanted to do, like do a heavy metal podcast, they seemed so um, within reach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? It's a weird thing. Whereas beforehand, they, they were like, I'm sure they would have been within reach, but I wouldn't have reached for them. Exactly. Yeah, That's, yeah absolutely. That's that because it's, you're not, obviously just not with the right person, I guess. All right, so where are we? Um, off on a tangent, I think. Off on a tangent, definitely. <laughs> so uh, 
All right, you left. You left. Left tantrum. You left tantrum. Uh, Not sure about that. You've done your first OTP. Mm-hmm. You went on to do Legion. Out of out of interest, because I probably didn't ask you last time. Does somebody like Underground Power contact you, or do you contact them and saying, "I have a release. Would you release it on vinyl?" Or do they contact you and go, "Can we release it on vinyl?" I think it can probably work both ways. They contacted me um, on that occasion and asked, and like we struck a deal. But I think you can probably email them. They, I think they work as a like a distribution label as well, as far as I'm aware. Because every every release I've done since that I've done myself, I've sent them a bunch of copies for them to sell through their web store, like a like a wholesale deal you would call that. So they do a bit of both, right? Yeah. So they're like a label and a web store. Like there's a lot of those around. Yeah, like no remorse. And yeah, like yeah, that exactly. Same, yeah, same yeah, sort yeah, of deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same kind of thing. HRR records. Whatever, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I roll. Yeah. Yeah. All those kind of guys. Yeah. Same kind of same kind of idea. So it can, I think they kind of keep an eye on Bandcamp in particular, mm. and I guess Spotify as well. Mm. And just when something pops up that takes a fancy they take a little punt on it and like was that financially lucrative for you or was it just kind of it was for me because I didn't I didn't pay a damn thing for it they, they did it all for me so um, were the sales of the albums lucrative for you like was was that a viable kind of financial pursuit for you for Legion it really was because it didn't cost me a penny to make yeah if you think about it so there's, you're basically anything you do from that point is pure profit right because it didn't cost a thing for me to to make any of the, the vinyls. No, Vin- no the vinyl I'm was, saying vinyls uh, now as well. By the way, <laughs> yeah, yeah, vinyl, vinyl. It was all uh, no underground power printing. How it works with a deal like that is that they print the vinyl, get the vinyl all made up for you. Uh, they'll then send you a bunch, however, however many you agree. They'll send you a bunch for you to then sell yourself for whatever price you want to. So. Again, so any any vinyl you sell, it's pure profit. But sorry, but, but uh, presumably you would have had to pay them a fee to create those. Nope, nope, they did it all. I don't know if that's a deal they do for everyone, so don't like don't be jumping on underground power. But and, sorry, um, so, so sorry, but the, so how did they, how do they make money then? <laughs> well, they sell they sell the rest of them. So oh, so, so say for okay. example, they print up say they print up three hundred. Mm. They send me a hundred, and I can do whatever the hell I want with that hundred. Mm. They take the other 200, sell them through their web store. They might oh. sell some on as a wholesale deal to somebody else. Um, I know they took a bunch to like Keep It True Festival. Yeah, 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 they yeah. took a bunch and they sold them there. So they'll, everything they make from that, they make back their money on however much And who, it costs o- who owns the like, masters? Who owns the songwriting credits? Me. You. Me. Yep. Yeah. So. So it was a great deal yeah. for me. It was a great deal at that time. It was a fantastic. Is deal. that is that not unusual that like they would sell a vinyl album of your songs that you wrote, but you don't make any money from it? Is that not a bit unusual in the music business? I don't make money from it. No, I did make money from it. From from the ones that they gave you when you sold. Yeah, but then if you're going to get if you, how much it costs to print up three hundred vinyl, if I'd done that myself. The profit I made would have probably been less. Right, I, yeah, I understand that. But is, is it not kind of unusual that they might sell an album written by you and you wouldn't make a kind of a, a fee on that actual record? What, what on everyone that they sell? Yeah. Like, like a, yeah royalty. a royalty, exactly. That's the word I'm looking uh, for, yeah. No, that kind of deal is pretty common. Is it? Okay. At this, at this level, it's a really common deal. 
Right. That's really um, fucking interesting. I've never heard of this before. Oh, yeah, man. Right. It's a, it's a really common deal. And for me, it was a great deal at the time. I think it would, would have been different, you know, if, if I'd invested lots of money in making an album. Mm. Uh, then it wouldn't have worked because it wouldn't have... Yeah, I, I, would, I would have been in, right. in the red okay. so, for the whole so, thing. All right, but, okay. So, so, so they make a bunch, send you some, you agree to this, mm-hmm. and then they have the rest, and they can do whatever the fuck they want with them. Yeah. So, they, so say they send me a hundred. If I sell that, if I sell them for, well, I don't, I don't know what I sold them for, but for for easiness, say a tenner. A tenner, yeah, yeah. A tenner each. All that money is yours. Right. And then all the money from the other two hundred is theirs. But then they've paid to get the vinyl printed. Yeah. So their profit is is minimal. Uh, do you know what I would imagine they hold quite a lot of those back because there's nothing more expensive than a fucking rare fucking heavy metal vinyl. <laughs> they pro- there's there's still they, they put some on eBay and stuff like that. So yeah, they probably do hold some back. Yeah, well. yeah. Definitely the purple ones I would imagine they probably hold yeah, back. Yeah. The Jesus. Ones. I I have a purple original uh oath. Uh, do you? Yeah, yeah. So do I. <laughs> um, or is it pr- I nearly sold it by accident, but yeah, I do have it. Um it, it's damaged though. The cover is damaged. Yeah. Anyway, nah, you'll be right. I'll send you another one. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really interesting. This is the kind of stuff that like fascinates me uh, about the music business. It's it's probably less about the actual songs and more about the the machinations. I was going to say machinations. Yeah. yeah, that's a good word for it. Yeah, you just have to go and wear your eyes open, man. You have to be. How did how did you find out about such a company that would do that? Did somebody like put you wide to it? Like did somebody inform you about it, or did you have to go investigate? Like how can I get? No, no, they they, they emailed me. The owner of Underground Powers emailed you, me. What, what, what was it, it once you had your thing on um, New Wave of Traditional Heavy Metal or uh, Bandcamp? Bandcamp, right? But then, of course, a deal a deal like that now wouldn't actually work because he's in Germany. So for him to then send me hundred vinyl. I'm then going to have to pay the customs fee. Well, to Britain now. We, in the EU, you know, post-Brexit, yeah. So that deal wouldn't work for me now because it cost, it cost me money. Yeah, that's a kick in the balls, isn't it? How, how has that affected you? Oh, it's, a, it's hellish, man. Mm. It's a nightmare. Um, because not only have you got, you know, if I send a vinyl to you, for example, over to Dublin, yeah, then you're, you've got customs fees, you'll have probably an admin fee, and obviously, you're paying more for the postage anyway before it gets there. Uh, there's also an additional fee. I don't know if this would have hit you or not, but with T-shirts, because if a T-shirt is not made within either the EU or the country it's coming from, there's an additional charge. And most T-shirts are made in like like Nicaragua. Sure. How do they How um, do they determine that? When it's in a fucking envelope, you have to declare it. Oh, you have to. Just well, it whether they wouldn't be, you have to put in a customs declaration the country of origin mm. of the T-shirt. So if it's a UK, it's fine, but they're never they never make them in the UK. They always come from somewhere else well, and yeah. they're printed here and sent out. So you've got an extra charge for that. So I've kind of I've got a wee way around that. So it's made basically the, the implication has been that I'm trying to do business with as few British companies as I can. Great, isn't it? Right, yeah. It really works out good for the British economy, doesn't it? Absolutely, I'm yeah. I'm trying my absolute best. Come on, Boris. Avoid dealing with British companies. This is it. And it, and think about how small scale I am. Think about a bigger, a bigger band or a bigger company that's doing the exact same thing. So my t-shirts now, I've managed to get a situation where a company, which is a UK, is a UK company, but they'll print the shirts in Latvia and then post them to Germany or 
France or Italy or wherever, so my fans aren't getting hit with customs charges. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to be looking at doing the same when this new album comes out, which finding a way to get a company in the EU to make the CDs and, and ship them out, warehouse them in the EU, ship them out directly. So it's doing British companies out of money. Mm. Mental. Yeah, absolutely it, it, mental. Is, it is absolutely mental. Jeez, you, like me, you could talk about this for hours. Um, yeah. And when I start my Brexit podcast, we will talk about this for hours. Dear God, you're not, no, are you? I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck hell. You're serious. No, I, I say all of my jokes in a deadpan way. Yeah, Jesus, you had me going there. Oh, that would be a nightmare, that one. Some Jesus. people don't realise their jokes. Uh, <laughs> no, let's move on. All right. We've got a Computer Warrior, which came out. And I think we talked about that quite a lot on, on our last episode. Uh, yeah, we did. Yeah, how how was the reception been to Computer Warrior since it came out? Ah, uh, really good, man, really good. Um, kind of like it works its way into the hands of some strange people. Lars Fredrickson from Rancid has a copy, which I just blew my mind. But he, he messaged me on Instagram and he was like, "Hey, man, how can I get a copy of this in the states?" And I was like, <laughs> "You for real? Like, is this really you?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sure enough, he's just a he's just a normal guy that likes. Underground heavy metal tapes. Well, well, yeah, yeah, I suppose he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, stuff like that just on a regular basis blows my mind. That's mm. like insane. Yeah. But uh, in general, yeah, received really well. Sales were really good. It was it was great. Having Trevor involved obviously helped because it kind of piggybacked on his fan base a little bit. Mm. So, we picked up a lot of new fans just from that. Yeah. Which was great. His fan base are absolutely rabid. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely! Like die, die hard. Mm. Although I think yours are kind of at that level nearly now as well. Yeah, yeah, I've got great fans. I've got awesome fans. You do not as many as not as many as Trevor. Well, I've got good ones. I mean, like just <laughs> judging by your Facebook groups, you're like you're not you're not too far apart. Yeah, it's I it was it was a, a good experience. The whole recording experience was great, and learned so much from doing it. Just in terms of the production with Trevor, because he would give you so many tips and stuff. So I've used that on the new one. So let's talk about that. How were you doing that? Was it via Zoom, uh, via video call, via email? How, how, how did you learn from Trevor? Usually it would just be a phone call. Okay, so, an actual if, traditional phone call. Yeah, if Trevor ever phones you and says, have you got five minutes? Hmm. Don't believe him, because it will not be five minutes. It will be at least an hour. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I don't know if, if Trevor's ever going to phone me, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> you've 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 interviewed him before. You know no, no, I have. I have spoken to him before. Yeah, but he's never like phoned me. <laughs> Trevor will just tell you stuff. He'll just go off on one and just give you a bunch of info, and you just like mm. when he phones you, just get a pen, get a bit of paper, mm. and write down shit because he'll drop some knowledge on you. So he, that's usually how it would be. He would, I would send him stuff. He'd you know listen to it, put it through his, his gear at home, and then he'd give me a phone call and say, right, this bit's good, this bit's good, change this bit, blah, blah, blah. But really, he, did, he didn't really tell me to change too much. He gave me a couple of pointers, but he, he basically let it be as it was. It was more just to do with how to get the, the way I was recording stuff and the way I was sending stuff was really messy because I didn't know what I was doing. Right. So it was more about how to kind of organize your shit. So you had Computer Warrior. We're still in lockdown. Yeah, I know you kind of you, you you say you left Tantrum because they were maybe more of a live band or they wanted to rehearse quite a lot. But like, do you have the itch to rehearse with Oath or to play? I know there are there are no actual people in your band, but like, 
do you have the itch to rehearse to play to do live gigs has that crossed your mind in the last couple of years it crossed my mind a couple of times i don't really have an itch to do it i would say but maybe now that i'm not playing with tantrum it might the itch might grow and it might happen at some point but it would have to be on my terms that's that's the way it would have to be it depends you, you, know, you have to find the right musicians that are okay with that do do you realize by having a limited edition ep uh, that you're probably going to be in demand by like lots of european festivals <laughs> i know i would i know i know Definitely. just by the very that fact that your ep is 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 not easy to find that that creates yeah. a demand that creates a demand it creates a it creates a fandom it creates a whole buzz it's like oh 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 have you heard that have you listened to that do, do you have that <laughs> <laughs> Like a cult thing. Yeah, it is. Though yeah, yeah. so it is, though. Like, I'm, 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 totally. I'm not trying to take the piss or anything, but, but like, no, like no. that is like, um, and and that that album, that EP, that especially the vinyl, that that is one of that's entered into that lexicon now. It's like, oh, the OTP. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard that? Yeah, Have you listened cool. to that? Oh, you heard it online? No, you need to listen to the vinyl. Yeah, if you've got the tape, there's even less of those. So <laughs> yeah. The tape's what you want. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I mean, maybe maybe at some point. Man. Have I'm you had any offers? Now, a couple of little offers, yeah, but not like, nothing serious. Right. I think people know that I'm really kind of just a one-man band at the minute, but it's, again, the, the issue is like, even just me getting a band into Europe now would be so tricky. What is so much. What it though? Yeah, I don't know if you, you you're like a Seven Sisters fan, right? You fall. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they're, they're just in Europe just now, and they've had a whole. There, my my like, friend just went to see them today, actually. Yeah, even just having to get like a car in it and shit to leave the UK and customs declarations and shit. I'm sure it's doable, but if you've got the time to do it, mm. but it just seems like a lot of organisational fuckery mm. that can't be arsed with right now. But so though, I'm sure but they'll, you, I'm sure they'll fix that at some point. Do you know what? You you've only got one life. This is true. Would you not like true. to play? Keep it true. Up the hammers. Fucking all those festivals, like at least one. It would be sweet. It would be sweet. So who knows, man? It may happen one day. Has anybody not... has anybody in the UK offered you some kind of option gig? No, not really. No, there's a couple of things mentioned, but nothing nothing concrete. I think the scene for it in the UK is a bit kind of harder the way it's really it's, for that kind of music, it's, it's Europe you want to be in. There's there's not really many places over here that you could draw a crowd. Yeah. There was Brofest, ah, but yeah, that, I think that's kind of I think that may be done now. Is it done? Is it? I think so. Yeah, they they've kind of gone a bit radio silent on it, so I don't know if they're going to come back. Just with the, just with the pandemic, I think it just killed it off. Yeah, it's a bloody shame. Yeah, I I didn't get to go to that. Like, when was that? What the last one? Twenty nineteen or? Yeah, when Haunt played it, I was I was there with Haunt played it, mm. and that was the last gig I went to before the pandemic. Yeah, I think I remember seeing it. it was seeing that on Facebook. Ah, <sighs> oh, that's kind of depressing. Um, okay, but on a less depressing note, you have a new album coming out. Indeed, and you very kindly sent it to me to listen to, and I did listen to that's it. Son, I'm a nice guy. You are a nice guy, yeah. And I did listen to it. But you know, do you know what happens when, like, when oh shit, my phone is dead now. Here, when people send me shit to listen to in advance, which has happened once or twice since I've been doing this podcast, I feel like like, like I'm cheating. 
<laughs> I feel like I'm like, oh, dirty. yeah, I actually do a small bit. It's like, oh, I shouldn't be listening to this, really. Like, uh, but I did listen to your album, and it is excellent, actually. I will say, uh, thank you very much. And I wouldn't blow smoke up your ass if I didn't like it. No, no, you're 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 an honest. If guy. I didn't like it, I would. Pro- That's why I said it. If I didn't like it, I probably just wouldn't mention it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and that's how I would know you didn't like. It. But so, okay. So this episode, as we record it now, it's like the 3rd of May, 2022. This probably won't be coming out for a month. When do you when do you plan to release the album or do you have a planned release date or anything like that? Well, it's, it's what I've sent you is the mixy, so it needs to get mastered, yeah. which we're getting done by uh, Kyle from Seven Sisters. Is oh, yeah, excellent, yeah. Um, so that's going to be cool. I guess he'll start working on it when he gets back from tour. Not actually sure when that is, um, but whenever they whenever they finish the tour, mm. he'll make a wee start on that. Uh, and I still have to get like artwork and stuff like that sorted out. Kind of a bit pain with that. So, I'm, do you do you not have a, a, a normal person who just does your artwork? I do. I usually use uh, Daniel from the Pit Forge, and I might do that game. I was kind of thinking about maybe having a crack at it myself this time. Uh, Control freak again. Oh, <laughs> but um, just even just not so much just for. Even just to get like an idea of what I'm going to do for it, so I like to have, I like to have, an, uh, even if I'm going to use Daniel, I need to get like ideas to, to give him. I don't like to just say, "Here's a title, do something with it." I like to be able to give him a bit of guidance and say, "Right, this is mm. what I'm thinking." So, um, like that's what I did with Computer Warrior. I kind of put together a little sketch, sent him it, and he just kind of refined it and did his thing with it. So just so he's not kind of scrabbling around in the dark, hoping for ideas to come out nowhere. Mm. Um, so I, I kind of need to put a bit more work into that. So I'm shooting for it's like a kind of July August maybe that would be nice. Okay, that's okay, the, that's okay. the dream. This probably this will probably be out in June, so that's good. Uh, sorry, I, I, I don't know if you said it there. Do you have a title in mind? Oh yeah, uh, Hello Delusions. Hello, face, Hello. Facebook decided. Facebook decided. Yes, to Facebook did decide. I I was thinking of Bedsit yes. Symphonies myself, but anyway. Uh, yeah, I kind of like that one too, but. I think I, think the, I said yeah, I think I said it was I was picturing the um the Marillion. the artwork for Meridian, yes. yeah, uh, script for exactly. script for Jester Syria, which like is like a a, a jester sitting in like in a bedsit. But anyway, you know, you you chose not to acknowledge that, and you went other ways, which is fine. I did, which is fine. Now, Hollow Delusions is a nice name. Uh, so the song Hollow Delusions, um, stand in line before. This gilded crown, mask of benevolence, is falling down. Pay your penance, but receive no gold. All your reverence is bought and sold. How are you feeling, Stephen? Are you all right? Pretty good, that. That sounds pretty good, Mace. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, I think it's pretty obvious what it's about, this one. It's, it's kind of, I guess, the hypocrisy of religion. It's where that's what that's about, really. Um, and you know, heads of religions and ivory towers pretending to be benevolent, but then there's people living in streets, absolutely living in. I shit mean, and, I mean, you're preaching to the choir here, like you, you've, you don't yeah. need to convert me. Um, but do you have a particular reason why you have uh distanced yourself from religion, or is it just a over the years, you were just like, no, fuck this. 
No, I mean, I didn't come from a particularly religious background or anything. I think kids, most kids in my generation, I think, were probably sent to Sunday school to see if they liked were it. You, were you raised a um, Catholic or a Protestant? No, no. Um, I wasn't even baptised, actually. No, I'm a so, heathen. So you are raised no religion? Straight heathen, yeah. No religion at all. Excellent. Um, <laughs> I wish I was fucking was. <laughs> You've got that guilt. Um, but I think just it's... For me, looking at it from, I guess, a, a, a an objective position on religion, mm. I can just see all the bad that it does. To me, it's like there's a lot of... I think if you if it's a personal thing, and if you want to believe in whatever you want to believe, then fair enough, you know, live and let live. It's, where it becomes a problem for me is where it gets organised. And when it gets organised, money gets made. Mm, absolutely, and people yeah. get rich. I, I can, and to me, yeah. I, I don't see where you go from Jesus handing out loaves of bread and fish to the poor mm. to some guy in a, a castle with a, a throne of gold and rubies you li- listen, handing out edicts. I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you, so this isn't going to be a very well-balanced <laughs> podcast, but uh, <laughs> I, I feel strongly in the same way that you do about that uh, so yeah um, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you yeah it's, it's the you know the whole if, if your religion is based on helping the poor and the needy then do it use everything you've got to do it so we shouldn't be seeing any of these kind of relics and all this gold and jewels okay shouldn't be there because it should be getting spread about yeah. spread about in your community to, to do good and bring everyone up to the same level Absolutely, but it ain't because it's corrupt. It, it never will be. It never will be. No, of course it won't be. It's too much money involved. In Ireland, the Catholic Church has more money than any entity in the entire. Well, they don't country. pay tax. Of course they don't. Religions don't, don't pay tax. Oh yeah, so. because it's uh, it's non non taxable. <laughs> yep. And they and they also don't. They're not obliged to reveal how much money they take in as well. Exactly. Convenient, isn't it? God. <laughs> Anyway, all right, let, let's talk about your song Disposable, which is another song that stood out to me on the album you sent me. Uh, we are disposable, replaceable. Take my advice on a roll of the dice. You're disposable, replaceable. Take it for granted. It's not how you planned it at all. Uh, yeah, so that, you know, this comes from a kind of a weird place. When we were doing, the, when the lockdown happened, we were all doing homeschooling. Mm. Anyone that's got kids that's listening will feel my pain. Um so we got a real insight into the curriculum and what was actually being taught in schools and stuff these days. And it just got me thinking that, like, I think from from when you're, God, like, five years old, you get pushed into the system mm. and you're meat for the grinder. Yeah. And they're trying to get you to think a certain way and behave a certain way and be a good little soldier and a good little uh, product of society mm. and grow up to to do what they want you to do individual thoughts not really encouraged you're indoctrinated you're not educated you're indoctrinated right and i would i would love to see it where kids were taught to want to learn as opposed to taught what to learn did 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 you feel like that when you were in school yeah absolutely really yeah of course okay definitely it's there's I look back on school and like, what did I actually learn? You know, you learn the basics, I guess, in the times, but you learn so much more by picking up a couple of books 
and do and doing your own research and uh, like, doing shit. Uh, apologies because my my lack of knowledge, but like I know in in England they have the A levels and the O levels. Is is that similar in Scotland or? Oh yeah, I think so, man. But they changed it so many times. I don't know what. So so what did it. you have when, when when you were in school? Same sort of thing. When I was a kid, it was standard grades and hires. Standard and hires, okay. And did, did yeah, you did you have to go for the hires, or could you leave after the standards? I think you could leave after the standard grades, if I recall right. Rightly. And what did you do? I stayed for a little bit and then left. So did you get your hires? I got three. Yeah, I got three. <laughs> but this is the crazy thing. As, as a person got, outside the, the thing, like, what is, I got three is like a three out of six, three out of ten, three out of three. Oh, I can't remember. I think I... I think maybe five. But but did, but did you say for the whole education cycle? Uh, pretty much. The mo- you could you could do six years. I did five. Right, and you and you and, and you got three. That. You and got three hires. Yeah, which isn't that great. And I didn't go to university or college. And the bonkers thing is, is that in my day job that I do now, I earn more than people who did. Did you want to? Did you so want to go to university or college though? So? <laughs> No, I had no real desire well, yeah. to. I well, went to well, I went, tell I, I went to I went to college to do um, illustration and media design, which lasted for about two years. It was just a sky, really. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, education and stuff. Yeah. So disposable is just about that. You're just kind of you become a cog in the machine. Yeah. And I think it's just kind of trying to be aware that that's happening and make sure that you're there's nothing you can do to really stop it. You can't not go to school. You can't. Not participate in, but you can not participate in society, I guess. But to some extent, you have to. I think it's just making sure you can educate yourself. And as hard as that is, and there with so much information that's coming at us from all directions, and half of it's wrong. All right, so that was Stephen Waddle from Oath SC. If you want to keep in touch with him, look him up on Facebook. It's Oath SC. You'll find him there. And on Instagram, you'll find about OathSC as well. But most importantly, probably on Bandcamp, check OathSC. You'll find all of Stephen's albums and merch. And I can say the merch is of very high quality. I own a lot of it. Uh, Not to be too biased. But yeah, a lovely chat with Stephen, as always. Even though I've interviewed him only once before, I've kept in touch with him in between times. And he's always a very pleasant fellow to talk to. I really do hope OathSC get to play some live dates at some point in the future. I'll be there like a hot snot, as they say. But before we go, I'm going to leave you with a little taster from Stephen's upcoming album, Hollow Delusions. This is the track Disposable, which was released on Stephen's Facebook on the 27th of July. And it's from Hollow Delusions, which should be available to you now on the 29th of July. Check out Bandcamp for that. Look out for it on your other stream streaming platforms in the future. I've been Fergal Trainer. I'll see you next time. This is Disposable from OSC. Oh,